Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody online, we're special welcome. We're glad you join us online as well, and as well as in the room. So we're, everyone's here, right? We're all here. All right. Well, have a good week. Snow? Excited? Man, maybe, maybe the last one, maybe the last one. Well, uh, we had a great week this week, and so uh, many of the men, so thank you men for serving. Our, our men's group went out, and we served in Ambridge, some of the homeless out there, and uh, it was a, was a great day, a cold day, but a great day, and uh, we had 15 uh, different uh, men, women, families come up, and we were able to serve and bless them with a lot of things, coffee, chili, clothes, you know, whatever they needed, so, uh, but it was a blessing just to, to be the hands and feet and serve them, and, uh, and I'll be honest, it was, I mean, after we were done, it took a while to warm up, but uh, as I got home and sat on the couch, and it, I remembered I have a home and I have a couch and I have a, a place to warm up. So uh, some of them don't; they're they're outside. So uh, yeah, we we continue to pray for them, but uh, always grateful, always thankful for what God's doing, and we continue to pray for all for them as well. Um, well, Easter's coming, right? Amen. You do know about that time: Easter, Resurrection Sunday, Holy Week whatever you want to call it, all right? So it's, it's all good. It's going to be a great, great season here at Westridge. And so uh, we are uh, going to remind you of a challenge we took in January. For many of you, maybe you're here with us. If you're new with us, let me just say a special welcome to you. If you're joining online or here in the room, there's a communicator card right in front of you on your seat rack. It's right, right below there. You can grab that, fill this out online. There's a little contact button. Uh, you can fill the same card out there online. But let us know that you're here. Uh, if there's any way we can serve you. On Sunday mornings, you know, obviously there's a, a lot going on and you're meeting people and, and we're meeting people. So if there's any questions we can ask, any way that we can serve you, this is the best way to let us know what we can do to serve you. Also, uh, this is a, there's a place on here to put prayer requests, praise reports. Uh, so we just love to stand together as a church and pray. We believe in prayer. That's the most powerful thing we can do in all the earth. And so we love to pray. And so if we can pray for anything at all, you let us know. Uh, we'd love to stand with you and unite as a church and pray together. Um, as well, if God's answering your prayer, please let us know that too, because that's so encouraging, and we know God is answering prayer. So, uh, so please let us know that. Put that in a communicator card. Drop that in the tithe and offering containers. If you're online, send it through email to us. We'll get that, and we'll uh, begin to pray for you. And again, if there's any way we can serve you, uh, we'll do that as well. Um, also, uh, and tithe, uh, when you put these in the tithe and offering boxes, make that part of your worship. We love, it's a joy to bring your first tenth to the Lord. That's what tithing is. And so uh, bring your tithe to the Lord. It's, you're bringing it to Jesus. You're not bringing it to me. You're bringing it to the Lord. And it's such a joy to do that. There's just so much blessing and honoring God with all things, including our finances. So uh, you can make that part of your worship today online. You can, uh, you can give online as well, westerns.cc, as well as in the room. It doesn't matter how, paper, uh, check, cash, or uh, you can give online as well. It's not about how. It's about the reason, the heart of where you're given. So make that part of your worship today. All right, well, uh, today, maybe you walked in and you heard people cheering and clapping, and we had a gentleman plug a light bulb in, and so we're so proud of you. Thank you for plugging that in, taking a step of faith, and so there you go. Um, and uh, just so you guys know, we shared his testimony. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but okay, I'm okay. Remember, he got stuck in the, door, in the room and couldn't get out, and now he's out and free. Look, he's free, he's free, and he's free. And he's free indeed, right? So, but uh, if you're here today, that's what these are for. There's light bulbs. Our ushers have them. They're at Info Central. You can see me. Our altar teams have them. If you're making a commitment to follow Jesus, whether it's for the first time, it's for salvation, or you're, you're coming back to God, maybe it's been a long time and you just need to come back to God, uh, let somebody know. Uh, grab a light bulb and you can pick a spot on our new life board. That's what the new life board's all about, is that we're making a commitment to Jesus uh, for the first time or again, we're coming back, uh, and you can plug in a bulb and, and the place is going to erupt for you. It's going to erupt for you. And you're like, well, maybe I'm not comfortable with that. Listen, Jesus is erupting for you, and we're just following suit, okay? So, so let's celebrate together, all right? You're part of the family. That's a good thing. So you can do that uh, anytime after our services today. We'll, we'll celebrate with you. And let me just say, on Easter, we'll be doing baptism. So if you're making this commitment, you haven't been water baptized, that's your next step, all right? So water baptisms on Easter. Uh, if you want to be water baptized, just let them know at Info Central or sign up on our website. Uh, but we are going to open up the baptisms right here. If you're new, this all comes apart, and we baptize live. We make it part of our worship. Uh, it's just an exciting day. So we'll be doing that on Easter as well. Um, so uh, just a reminder, in January, we did the Easter challenge. So if this is your home church, if this is your church, many of you are serving. Thank you, thank you. You're serving Jesus. You're serving Westridge. We're so grateful for you. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, but Easter's going to be a big day. So we're going to need some of you, many of you, 
Uh, that if you're not serving and this is your home church, it's time to get in the game, all right? You're going to see in this service. It's going to be an amazing uh, message that we're going to hear in Galatians, but uh, it's time for you to jump on board. That's the challenge. If you're not serving by Easter, we want you to be serving. So we need you to let us know. Go out. There's join the teams. There's a join the team table out there. Uh, just jump on. We will, we will help you. We're not just going to throw you to the wolves. We'll help you, but uh, we need a few weeks for you to shadow and jump on board. So just let us know today before you leave, uh, you know, Join the team, jump on board, because it's going to be an exciting need. I'm praying for 449 people to come out on Easter. And so I know that's a weird number, but here's why. Uh, because the staff, the elders, uh, myself, the deacons, all of us that serve, we're going to make this an amazing, in fact, the series is called It's Me. It's Me. You ever have Jesus just show up in your life? He said, hey, it's me. That's what Easter's all about, right? He showed up on Palm Sunday. Hey, it's me, riding in on a donkey. It's me. It's the Messiah, Right? Resurrection, Mary, hey, are you the gardener? No, it's me, Mary. Oh, Jesus, right? He just showed up. And then on Pentecost, they're all locked in the room. Jesus just shows up. Hey, guys, it's me. Don't be afraid. They're putting their finger in there, right? So that's what Jesus does. He just shows up. He just show, And he'll show up. He'll show up on these services come up. They're purposely, intentionally evangelistic. Jesus is going to show up. It's me. He's going to show up in your life. He's going to show up. So bring somebody, bring somebody, bring somebody. And to make it fun, if we hit 450, that next week we're having a family day. So Easter is Easter. It's all about Jesus. That next week we're going to celebrate as a family. We're having a big family day. It's going to be at Awaken. It's at our youth center. So we're going to have it at a different location. We're just going to have a blast. And then we're going to go outside. And there's going to be all kinds of fun outside. All right? Food, fun, but. And part of that fun is if we hit 450 on Easter, there's going to be a dunk take, and you can dunk me. All right? So, for, but you got to hit 450. My face at 449.7. But if you hit 450, all right, you hit 450, I'll get in the tank. And if you can throw the ball hard enough and get me down, I'll go down with you. All right? So that's the challenge. So let's have some fun. And more than that, let's see 15 people saved on Easter. Give their life to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Hey, let's, that's what it's all about. Let's see people come to the Lord. Uh, so let's do it together. All right? Let's do it together. All right. Well, if you got your Bibles, today's message, slave or free? Your choice, right? Slave or free? It's your choice. All right? So that's the title of the message today. Galatians chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles, that's where we'll be all, today, all day today. Um, you know, it's interesting to me, uh, last week we ended, and if you're new with us, you can jump right on board today if you want to catch up. All of our messages are free online with YouTube, Vimeo, website. You can watch it wherever you like. It's free for you to watch. But last week we ended that uh, we have this amazing privilege of not only being heirs of, of the seed of Abraham, that we're part of Abraham, we're part of this family. We've been grafted in as Gentiles. Most of us are Gentiles. There may be a few Jews in here. Most of us are Gentiles. But as believers, now that we've received Jesus, we've been grafted into this amazing godly family called the seed of Abraham. And even more so than that, we're part of this family. We're children of the Most High God. We're children of the Messiah, children of Jesus Christ himself. We're his kids. We've been adopted by Jesus himself, by the Father, I mean, we can now cry out, Abba, Father. You'll see that in the message today because we're his kids. This beautiful, beautiful thing happened that we talked about last week. And not only that, not only are we God's kids, not only are we grafted into Abraham's seed, but all the promises God has spoken over Abraham and Israel and the, and the family of God, they now apply to you. They now apply to you. Now, we're not replacing Israel. That's not our place. But we're now part of this amazing kingdom plan we're part of this kingdom family. And all the promises God's spoken over them, they apply to us. We've been grafted into this beautiful kingdom work. And that's where we ended last week. And so Paul's writing a letter about these promises. He's writing to the churches of Galatia. Now, again, if you're new with us, Galatia is an area. It's not like a city. You know, we, many of you live in Coriopolis. You know, our church is in Coriopolis, but not really in Coriopolis, right? But we're... That's where we are. Some of you from Imperial, from Pittsburgh, from uh, Hookstown. Anybody Hookstowners? Georgetown? That's right. There's only two of us at Georgetown, right? And so, uh, but you're from a city. And many times when you read the Bible in the New Testament, Paul's writing to Philippi, a city. That's a city called Philippi. He's writing to Ephesus. That's a city. Uh, you know, he's writing to uh, a lot of different places. There's, city. There's places where he's planted churches, and the books appropriately named after that city. 
Now, Galatians is not a city. It's, a, it's an area. It's a mass. It's, it's modern-day Turkey today. And so he's got churches all through, imagine, modern-day Turkey, just below the Black Sea. We all, all know what's going on in Ukraine. Keep playing, praying for Ukraine. Keep praying for all those people, right? Russia, Ukraine, doesn't matter. They're all God's kids. But right below the Black Sea is an area. That's Galatia. That's the area of Galatia. And so Paul's writing a letter. These, these are churches. These are people that Paul, if you remember, Paul got saved. If you even go further back, Paul's name was Saul. And he was a Jew following the law, really hypocritically following the law. He was teaching the law but not following it himself. He would... And look, he, he was a devout Jew. He followed the law fervently, he says, with, with passion. But he also, knowing the law, saw Jesus and didn't believe he was the Messiah. And Saul was killing Christians. He was literally jailing them. He had Stephen stoned. He's literally making those of the way, those that follow Jesus, he's making their life miserable. And one day on Damascus, the road of Damascus, Paul's walking, and Jesus Christ himself spoke from heaven. The resurrected, ascended Christ spoke from heaven to Paul and said, knock it off. And Paul got saved that day. His eyes were blinded. He got saved that day. And since that day, Jesus told Paul, you're going to take the gospel, the good news, to all the Gentiles. You're a Jew, but you're going to take this outside of Jerusalem, and you're going to take it to Galatia. Ephesus, Philippi, Corinth. You're going to take this gospel to all the Gentile world. That's his mission. That's his mandate. So now he's, he's went to Galatia. All these, all these people have gotten saved. They've received Jesus. They've received the Holy Spirit. They've been changed. They've been transformed. There's churches popping up all over Galatia, this region of Galatia. And Paul's writing a letter to them. That's what Galatians is all about. He's writing to the leaders of the churches of Galatia because they've gotten lost. Like many of you, like me, like you, we've all gotten a little lost. Even after you've received Jesus, some of us have veered, veered away, haven't we? Well, these believers in Galatia, they not, just, not only just veered away, but they started to believe in a false gospel. You see, the, uh, in Galatians chapter 2, we shared about a few weeks ago how these Jews would send up spies into the land of Galatia. These, now, they're, they're believers. They're Jewish believers. In fact, they're under Paul's or Peter's leadership and John's leadership and James's leadership. These are disciples that were with Jesus. And they're sending out people into these churches of Galatia. And they're saying, hey, look, yes, you, you've received Jesus. You've, you've received the gospel. But you're not saved unless you do not only receive the gospel, but you also have to be circumcised. And you've got to follow the traditions of the Jews and all these things which was a lie. And so now all these Galatian churches are confused and perplexed because, you know, this is Peter and this is John and this is James. They're being pressured into following Jewish tradition and adding to the gospel. And Paul says, this is deceptful. It's not true. And so if you've been with us for the few weeks, this is where Paul's going. And in chapter four, now remember, I know we spoke chapter three last week, but this isn't like, well, a week went by, a month went by, a couple years went by. Listen, this is the continuing conversation from Galatians chapter three to Galatians chapter four. And so Paul begins uh, this, remember, he, he finishes with promises in chapter three. Now I want to give you a little insight before we get to the end of the message. When God gives a promise... And this may seem hypocritical of me to say, and you, you're, going to sound, you're going to hear it and you're going to know that it's not right. When God gives a promise, it's not your place or my place. A lot of times what we do is when God gives a promise, we try to figure it out. We try to make it happen. Right? Is that, is that the right thing to do? Now, I'm not saying that we don't obey and follow after God and not work hard for Jesus. But here's what I'm saying. It's not your job to fulfill the promise. It's his. And many times what we do is when God gives us a promise, we're like little children. How many of you have got kids, like little kids? I mean, you make them a promise. They're excited. Hey, we're going to the mall today. And they'll ask you 15 times, are we going now? Are we going now? Are we going now? Are we going now? We are a generation, we're like the microwave generation. We, we want everything now, now, today, now. And let me just tell you, there's nothing new under the sun. When God gave promises to Joseph, he did the same thing. If you remember, if you know anything about the story of Joseph, Joseph had a dream that his dad and his brothers would bow down and worship him. 
Not as God, but that he's just, he would be elevated to a, a place in power where they would bow down and worship him. And what did he do as a teenager when he got the dream? He woke up and said, hey, dad, hey, brothers, you're going to worship me someday. How many of you know that didn't go well for Joseph? It took 18 plus years before that dream was fulfilled. You see, when God gives a promise, I know we're like kids. We get all excited. We want to tell people. And yes, that promise is for right now. The promise God is speaking about right now, but it may not be fulfilled till years down the road. A lot of times we can delay our promise. How many of you know Israel delayed their promise? I'm going to take you to the promised land. It took them 40 years, which was only a two, three-day journey to get to the promised land. It took them 40 years because they tried to take control. And so this morning, if you hear anything from me at all, God is speaking over you. There is a promise for you. And here's the spoiler alert for you. It's always better when God fulfills a promise for you. It's so much better. God sees the big picture. He sees the whole thing. This morning uh, in Galatians 4, Paul continues in his letter, and I, I love these first few words in Galatians 4, uh, verse 1. It says, think of it this way. You see, Paul's trying to clarify the gospel from what they received from him and the confusion they have. And so he's talking to people like you and I that are confused. The Galatians are confused, you know, do I, is this legalistic? Do I follow the law? If I don't go to church every week and every Sunday of the year, uh, then I'm not saved anymore? Is it true that if I do something wrong that God's mad at me? They're going through all these things. If I don't follow, if I'm not circumcised, if I don't do these things, that means I'm not saved. They're confused, and you've been confused, and I've been confused. I was so confused about the law versus grace. What part, you know, do I... Do I just keep following rules? Is it about all the rules? Is it about doing the right thing? How do I appease people? How do I make them happy? How do I make the church happy? How do I make Jesus happy? And we get so lost in all of that when all Jesus wants is a genuine relationship with you. And the reality is, is when you know God, when you understand God, and when you hear God, you're going to do the right thing anyway. Those boxes that you're worried about checking will happen because it's natural, because it's relational, because you know Him. But it's not about the check. It's not about the hundredth work. It's not about getting yourself right, then I'll do. It's about knowing the one that saved you. And he'll transform you by the word of God and the word of your testimony. And so this morning, I just wanted to share. So Paul starts with some more clarity on our identity in Christ. Here's some more clarity, he says. Think of it this way, he says. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had, they have to obey their guardians until they want, reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was for us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're a child, God's made you his heir. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to the so-called gods that, you, that do not even exist. So now that you know God, and I love, this, I love this little comment he makes after this, so that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you, perhaps all of my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Listen, Paul is making a point in his letter, not only to clarify, but let me just say that Paul's one of the most creative 
people that I know outside of Jesus when it comes to helping you understand clearly this life that Jesus died to give you. You're heirs of Christ. You're his kids. He certainly wants to understand what the benefits of being a Christ follower are. And it's not going back to freedom and destruction. It's not going back to our sinful ways. No, there's a new freedom that Christ can give you. You know, Paul makes it very clear in the illustration, like if you're a dad or a mom and you leave an inheritance to your kids, that inheritance is theirs. There's no question. It's theirs. It's in the will. The lawyers know. You know. I know. Maybe they made a video. Everybody knows that that's yours. But sometimes there's a season of time before that inheritance that is yours before you can actually receive it. Sometimes there's an age. Maybe you're a young child and you can't have it until you're 18 or you're, you're 30 or you're, whatever the parameters are set by the guardian, it's still your inheritance, but you've got to wait for the promise to come. It's still yours. And this is what Paul is saying. Look, that's the way it was. Before we knew Christ, we were like children. The promise had been spoken way before you and I, by the way. Remember, just if few weeks ago in our first message, the promise was spoken to Abraham because, of, because he believed it was accounted to him as righteousness and the seed, the Messiah, would come through his lineage, that Jesus Christ himself would come through the seeds of Abraham, through Abraham's lineage, the Messiah would come. And like little children, we were in bondage, we were enslaved to our own sin until the Messiah came and paid the price and bought our freedom. And Jesus did exactly that. That's what Easter is all about, isn't it? He paid the price for all of our sins. Your sin, my sin, our sins all accumulated. Look, I don't care if you think your sin's bigger than mine or mine's smaller than yours or, you know, I've got a, I've got a better sin story than you. All paid for one sacrifice. He bought our freedom, which means you can't buy freedom. It's a gift. Ephesians 2.10. Your salvation by grace through faith is a gift from God. And if you could buy it, if you could earn it, if you could work for it, then you would boast and say, I did it. No, 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 my friends. Paul is saying, listen, this illustration is here to help you. We were in bondage to our sin. We were in bondage to our own heads, to our own minds, to the enemy himself. We realized that we couldn't keep up with the law. None of us could. We all broke the law. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us since Adam have sinned, and we need a Savior. And the promise has been since the beginning of time that the Messiah would come and save you, and he did come. Why would you want to go back to that slavery thinking? Why would you want to go back to living the law, checking the boxes, following the rules when you couldn't do it in the first place? Don't let those Jews lie to you. Don't let those false prophets and false teachers tell you that you're living wrong. You see, this is why it's so important. You know what you believe when you give your life to Jesus. You've got to know who saved you and how you were saved and what that means to you. You've got to know. That's what this whole book of Galatians is all about, standing up for your faith. I promise you the enemy wants to snatch it up like the seed as fast as he can. I promise you he wants to deceive you and say, oh, there's a lot of roads to heaven. No, there isn't. There's only one. Jesus said it. Not mad at you. Don't hate you. But he's the Lord, we're not. What is it you believe? Paul's given you a lot of great illustrations to get you to understand, look, it's not what you think. Paul goes on to tell them in a creative way again. He's, he's the art of creative and clear communication And he says this in the end. He says, I plead for you to live free as I do. He understood what it meant to live in bondage. He grew up. He lived most of his life in bondage. And he says, I plead, I plead, I plead. Look, don't go back there. Live in freedom as I do. And then second thing I want to share with you in this passage is 
Paul's heart of a, as a servant. Now, I know I just reminded you of this challenge we took that everyone's serving by Easter, but I want you to see, I want you to see how important this gospel is, not only to Paul, but to all of us. It should be, it should be important to you. You should have a burden. You should have a burden. Look, it's Easter. There's, uh, I don't even care about the stats, but statistically, 80% of people will come to church if you bring them, if you invite them. They will come. Statistically, only two out of ten will say no. But yet we're afraid to ask why. We're afraid to bring them why. We're afraid to, to put ourselves out there to say, hey, you've got to come. You've got to see what God's going to do. Hey, we're doing a series called It's Me. You've got to see it. You get to dunk my pastor if 450 people come. You've got to come. Look, I don't care what you have to do, but you have to be okay we're sharing this gospel. Let's not get caught up in the, well, what will they think of me? What will they say? What if they say no? What if they reject me? What if, what if, what if? Try. Try. Do not put yourself in this legalistic trap of, well, it's, it's all about what they think and it's all about what they say. I don't want to offend them. I, listen, Jesus died for them. He loves them more than you do. He loves them more than I do. And he wants them to hear this amazing good news. And he died so they could hear this good news. He resurrected from the grave to tell you this good news is true. He ascended into heaven to show you what a good God he is. And he sent the Holy Spirit to you and to me so we could do the work of the ministry. So we're equipped and empowered to have everything we need to do the work. Don't be pressured. Don't allow your head. Look at what Paul says in... in, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 13. Now, this isn't COVID-friendly, by the way. Now, I'm not trying to make light of this season we've went through, but I want you to hear what Paul says. It speaks across the grain of what we just went through, but it's still just as valuable. It's just, it's just important. And what Paul's not saying is, look, I want to kill a bunch of people and make them. No, what he's saying is, I want to save a bunch of people. I want them to be free. I want them to know the gospel. Look, you have the most essential, eternal message ever given, ever. Regardless of what's going on on our planet, regardless of what's going on on earth, regardless of what the pandemic is, you have life. You have life. Even if death is staring you at the face, you don't die as a believer. You know that, right? That's what the Bible says. As believers, we never die. Don't fear death. You'll be in heaven. Not to be here is to be there. Do not fear death. You know what you should fear, though? That person that you're afraid to bright, maybe they don't know Jesus. They've got to know. That's what love is. Love is you've got to tell them. Paul says this in verse 13. Sorry, verse 12. Let's start there, like 12 point, 12 and a half. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember when I was sick, when I brought you the good news, when he was sick. How about that? I told you it wasn't COVID friendly. Paul wasn't feeling well. Now, it doesn't tell me what was wrong here in this gospel or in this scripture, but it does give me some hints. But he wasn't feeling well. You know, I was in Peru. First time I preached the gospel to a group of people. Now, I've preached many times where I haven't felt well. My point in saying this isn't about whether you feel well or not, is we have to have a burden for the gospel. We have to have a burden of what God's calling us to do. For Paul, he didn't feel well, but he knew he had to get this gospel to the Galatians. He knew that they needed to hear this word. And listen, he's writing this letter years later saying, hey, remember, I was sick, but you received me. Not only did you receive me, but you were saved. You received the gospel. You received the good news. You received Jesus. Everything changed. It wasn't about my sickness. It was about the living word of God. I remember when I was in Peru, I, was, I had a 105-degree fever, I, and, and they asked me to preach at this crusade. Now, first of all, I've never preached before. Second of all, I didn't even know what a crusade was. You know, there's a lot of good Christian words out there you've got to figure out. And so I got really sick the night before. Now, I didn't know anything about spiritual warfare and enemy and casting out Satan, any of that stuff. I was a new believer myself. That's good, guys. That's really good. <laughs> really good. 
I would say the lights went out, but everything else is working, my friends. All right, so you can hear me. That's all that matters. So I'm in Peru. I'm getting ready to do this crusade, and there's, there's this um, sickness that comes over me, and Jen's with me, and you know, we're getting ready to go preach, and I, I just, honestly, I, I, I said to her, and I, have it, I had a burden. I said, look, I really want to preach, but I, I can't even function right now. I'm so sick. And so at 12 o'clock at night, we get out of our little bungalow, and we go down to downtown in this area. I mean, obviously, we don't know anything about Lima. We just go to this, somebody says, go here, knock on the door. I mean, it's just like these Hollywood movies, except for better. I go knock on the door, bars on the little window, a little door, hey, I don't feel good. Great, come on in. In Spanish, though, I don't know what he said. Door opens, right? He lets me in. All of a sudden, like minutes later, I'm on a table with a shot in my butt and like cold cloths all over my head. But laying there for a few hours, and then he says, you'll be good. They send me home. And I wake up the next day feeling a little bit better, still sick, though. And my leader comes and says, hey, I'm excited for you to preach. And I said, I don't really feel well, but I have this burden. The Lord really put it on me. Now, again, I've never spoke before. I don't know what I'm doing. All I knew is it was so important that God really put it in me that I needed to speak this gospel. And so I get up there and I preach the gospel. And I've, I've done this before many times, but it, I'll always remember this one. I get up there and preach, and I, you know, this is the whole point about promises that God gives to us. I get up there and I preach, and I'm so grateful that God sees things like we do. Like he sees much bigger than we do. I am sick. I'm preaching a gospel I've never preached before. I'm not even sure I know it that well. To be honest with you, I'm so thankful that I spoke English and they spoke Spanish because I don't know what I preached. I do know, though, that it was way off from what I preached today. And I'll tell you, I bombed the message. It was not good. I know it wasn't good. I was so frustrated after I was done. But praise God that they don't speak my language and my translator hit it out of the park. People got saved. A crusade, I learned, was where a bunch of people, I was on a mountain, and they were down here, and I preached, and they got saved, and people were praying, and tongues were happening, tongues of Spanish that I have no idea what they're saying. But I was so frustrated because I knew I bombed the message. I wasn't really seen, even though I was seen, like people were getting saved. All I thought was like, that was terrible. Words came out of my mouth. I will never do that again. Oh, God thinks that's so funny when we say statements like that. My point is, church, is you may be sitting out there, and I, I'm with you. I was sitting there just like you. Why can you not share your faith? Why can't you preach the gospel? My scripture says that there, Jesus has called all of us into six categories. Pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and apostles. That's five. They call that the five-fold ministry, but it really is a lie because it's six-folds. Pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and apostles equip. What do they do? They equip the saints. And what do the saints do? That's the six-fold. The saints do the work of the ministry. You see, I'm your pastor today right now. I have the pastor hat on. I'm equipping you. I'm challenging you. I'm encouraging you. I'm fostering the faith for you to go and do the work. But the reality is, I take my pastor hat off, and I'm a saint too. Last time I checked in your Bible, my Bible, Matthew says, after Jesus resurrected from the grave and appeared to us as the resurrected, miraculous, living God, the last thing he said before he ascended was what? Go and make disciples. Asterisk, only pastors and apostles. No. Go, you go, I go, we go. This is what I'm so excited about for Resurrection Sunday because God has called every one of us. We all have a different measure. I get it. You may bring one. You may bring 10. You may fill the house. It doesn't really matter. It's all for his glory. It's all for his goodness. It's all for him. Let's do it together. Join the team. Jump on board. Be part of this amazing kingdom plan. Look, we all got to do this together. And if you think, well, that's not for me, John, because, you know, but Jesus did this with the disciples. His disciples made the same excuses. Jesus said, look, I'm going to send you into town two by two. Go knock on the door. 
cast out demons, heal the sick, preach the gospel. And if they, if they reject you, kick it off, go to the next door. You're not alone. The disciples felt the same way. But Jesus said, try. Try. I love Paul's heart. He didn't feel well. When you read the passage, it could have been something with his eyes. We don't know. But it says, he said, look, if you could give me your eye, I know you would. So many scholars think, well, maybe he had an eye problem, a sickness in his eye or an infection in his eye. You know, we know that when he got saved, God blinded him. We also know in the scriptures that it says that he asked God to be healed of whatever infirmity it is many times, but God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Keep going, Paul. So we don't, uh, maybe it was that, maybe it was something else, but regardless, regardless, many times, many times, many times, you and I have not felt well. Can we be really honest? How many times have you woke up and not felt like coming to church? But you came anyway. And it's in those moments God does some miraculous things, doesn't he? You come walking in, strutting your stuff, putting your smiley face on. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. Inside you're like, but I don't want to be here right now. I don't even like you right now. I need my cup of coffee before I bite someone's head off. You know, it's amazing. It's, Paul could have said, I'm sick. I can't come to you guys right now. He could have said he's human just like you and I. But when God gives you a burden for something, even if you're sick, even if you're not feeling 100%, even if you're like me and you feel like you bombed it, God's so much bigger than we are. I, I look back now and I say, people got saved? Not because of me, but because God his word never returns void. Do you realize anytime God speaks something, it always accomplishes what he told it to do? God, I wish my life was like that, Lord. I wish everything I ever did would accomplish what I was supposed to do. How many times have you done something? You're like, boy, that was a, that was a bomb. I failed that one. Jesus never has that problem. Even if you and I mess it up, he still does what he's supposed to do. Even if you and I think we didn't give our best, I didn't word it right, the gospel didn't come out like Paul did it, he didn't, I don't speak as fluent as, even if we don't do that well with it, God's word never returns void. I will always remember that in my weakness and in my infirmity, in my sickness, that when I got up there and preached the message that I bombed, there's no way the gospel went out like I thought it did, but thank God that God is God. It's his gospel. It's his good news. It's not mine. It's his children. He made them. He saves them. He heals them. He frees them. It's his work. All I have to do is be faithful and obedient. That's why it's so important. You have so much value. You don't understand. You have so much value to Jesus. You're not just some number. He knows your name. He made you. He knows everything. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your struggles. Why do we try to hide all that stuff? He knows. You know, we're, we're like Adam and Eve putting on the leaf, running around. <laughs> and God says, take that leaf off, put on a leather suit. He loves you. That even in your sin, he went to the cross. While you're yet a sinner, he died in your place. You see, we get so caught up in this, like God doesn't know me or God doesn't love me or he hates me. No, it's so opposite from the truth. Not only does he love you to the moon and back, or like my daughter says, back and back a million times again because I can't, I can't overrun her. She just keeps coming up with numbers. Not only does he love you that much, but he believes in you. He trusts you. He's giving you and me the opportunity to share the most precious gospel ever given. Our jobs will go away. Our houses will go away. Our cars will go away. The United States of America will go away. But you know what lives on forever? His word will live on forever. And those that follow Jesus will live on forever. 
I hope you get how valuable you are to Jesus. He died for you, but he also gave you the most precious, powerful, beautiful, good news that's ever been given. So this Easter, join the team. Not only serving, but look, bring somebody. Bring one, bring two, bring whoever. It's going to be an amazing day where God and his presence, amazing things are going to happen. Finally, my uh, last point is slave or free. And he gives an illustration that you'll never forget. If you're new to the Bible, there's these two people in the Bible. That, well, there's Abraham, who's the father of faith. Maybe you've heard that name, Abraham. Um, but he's married to Sarah. And when they're around 90, actually before they were 90, God spoke to Abraham and said, hey, I'm, you're going to have a child. Now, if you were 90 and God said you're having a child, what would you do? Sarah laughed. Yes, yeah, she would laugh too. She laughed and you know, kind of didn't believe it, neither did Abraham. But God promised that they would have a kid. Now, remember what I said about promises. You can either do two things. You can, in your human nature, and by the way, Abraham did the same thing, you try to make God's promise happen on your own fruition. You see, in the Old Testament, in the law, if your wife was barren and couldn't have a kid, you could go to a maidservant, or you could go to someone else and they could have the child for you. For, for Israel, it was your maidservants. And that's what he did. He went to his maidservant, and they had a child named Ishmael. And Abraham thought, well, there's my promise. I just had a baby boy, Ishmael, through my maidservant. That, God, thank you for your promise. But that wasn't the promise at all. God's promise was, no, you and Sarah will have a child. You see, that's what we do sometimes, is we try to make God's promises happen through our own human efforts. And while Abraham was wrong, and while I've been wrong, and while you've been wrong, if we've done that before, here's what's amazing about God. His promise still happened. God still gave Sarah and Abraham a son. His name is Isaac. And Isaac was the promised seed that Jesus Christ would come out of. And you and I are also the promise in that same verse in Galatians that all of Abraham's kids from Isaac on are like sands of the seashore. That's how many, look, because we've been grafted in. We're all part of this amazing promise. So there you go. There's the two kids. And here's what, uh, let me read this to you, and then we'll close up. Paul's writing to the Galatians, and here's what he says. Tell me. You who want to live under the law, do you, <laughs> he lays a smack down, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abram had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about fulfillment of God's promise, but the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. So you have the human side of you trying to fulfill God's promise on your own, and then you have God fulfilling his own promises. Which one do you think is better? I hope you believe that God's fulfilling his own promise. It's always miraculous, by the way. A 90-year-old can have a baby. Yes. Well, science says you can't do that. Right? But God said, I can. So there we go. God's over science, too, by the way. These two women serve as illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She's the free woman, and she's our mother. And Isaiah said, Rejoice, O childless woman. You've never given birth. Break into a joyful shout. You have never born, been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, listen to this, and you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise just like Isaac. You, Dear brothers and sisters, I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to you, and I'm if you're following Jesus right now, I'm talking to you. You, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise. You're children of the promise of the living God. Oh, God knew your name when he spoke that promise. He knew you'd be sitting here today. 
He knew you'd follow him. He knew you'd commit to him. And I know that's hard to understand sometimes that God can see everything at one time. But you're a child of the promise. When God spoke to Abraham and said, you're going to have a son, he meant it. And when God spoke to Abraham and said, when you have that son, my Messiah is going to come out of your lineage. What he said came true. That's where Jesus came from. And when Jesus said, all of the family of Abraham, all the seed of Abraham will be blessed. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. That's the promise for you. That's the promise for you. He goes on to say, but you now being persecuted by the one who, you just keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what does Scripture say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. How about that? He's talking about spiritual things right now. You can't earn your salvation. And if you think you can, when that time comes to receive your salvation inheritance, you won't get it. You can't buy your salvation. There's nothing you can do in your own human effort to be saved beyond submit to the Lordship of Jesus and receive Him. So dear brothers and sisters, we're not children of the slave woman. We're children of the free woman. Are you a slave? Or are you free? Are you a slave? Or are you free? I hope you never forget that illustration. If you've ever been confused about following the law and grace and how I'm supposed to live this thing out, listen, this is a relationship with Jesus. Of course, he's going to send his spirit inside of you. He's going to help you. It's okay that you get confused. It's okay that you mess up. It's okay. But God will help you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, that he as Lord will lead you into all truth, that he's going to guide you, that he's going to direct you, that he's going to empower you, that he's going to equip you. But I don't feel like I can do it. Then you talk to God about it and you will be able to do it. He'll give you the words to say. He'll equip you. He'll empower you. But what if they reject me? It's okay. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. But what if I offend them? You're going to offend them by giving them the best news ever? And even if you do, you keep praying for them. You keep trying. You keep believing. Sometimes you plant the seed. Sometimes you water. Sometimes it's you that leads to salvation. Sometimes it's because of what you did and somebody else preaches to them and then they receive. Look, it's okay. We're all part of the same same plan. We're all part of the same kingdom. I'm not competing against you. I'm not competing against the church down the street. I'm working with Jesus. He's over all the churches last time I read. He's the head of the church. We're his body. Try, church, try. Do you have a passion? Do you have a burden to share this good news? I hope you do. He died for you. The scriptures say, he's our master. And not in the way of the worldly that you understand. Oh, he's good. I'm alive today because he died for me. I'm who I am today because he made a way for me. And the same is true for you. Stand your feet. I just want to pray with you. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise. You're children of the promise. Do you believe that? That God knows your name? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God knows what's best for you? Do you trust that God understands you, loves you, knows what's best for you? Do you believe that God placed inside of you the gifts and the talents for you to live out this amazing life with Jesus, this plan, this gospel? Look, he's, he's made it all possible for you. You have a unique place and the kingdom of God. You have a unique place in the story, the gospel of Jesus, the kingdom plan that God has. And it seems so big, but you are an integral part and I am an integral part. Try. Look for the opportunity. Don't shy away from it. You try. Lord, I pray for everybody here. Holy Spirit, 
What are you asking each one of us to do? Lord, we know it's not a question of do I share the gospel or do I tell people about Jesus because you said go. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's what you told us to do. Lord, help me if I'm feeling weird about it, if I'm feeling uncomfortable. Maybe I'm a little stressed about it. Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice at home or in this room that hasn't made you a life, today's the day. Today's the day. If that's you and you want to make a commitment to Jesus, just very simply in your own words, or you can repeat after me, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry. I repent of my sins, and today, this Sunday, the last Sunday of March, God, I give my life to you, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you, Lord, and I'm going to do my best. But Lord, I know it's not about works. It's not about legalism. It's just about me looking to you, taking steps towards you, growing. And so, Lord, I'm giving you my life. I'm a new creature today, is what you say. I have a new life. That's what that word means out there. I've got a new life in Christ, not because of me, but because, Jesus, you died for me. You made it possible. Lord, thank you for coming to the earth. Thank you for leaving your throne in heaven. Thank you for, Lord, even laying down your Godhead. Lord, you, you are God, but you came and lived like us as a man. You put it down for a short season of your eternity so I could have life, so I could be born again. Lord, we need you today. Lord, whether this is the first time I'm recommitting my life or Holy Spirit, we all need filled afresh, each one of us in this room. Some of us need healing today. Some of us need set free from an addiction today. Some of us, Lord, some of us just need encouraged to be your church, to be your body. Lord, some of us just need to lift our voices and praise you because you're so good. You deserve our praise. But regardless of where we are, we choose to worship you today. Lift our voices. Honor you. You deserve our praise. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Thank you.